Hi, I'm Simon Russell, founder of Behavioural Finance Australia. I'm here today with Julian Morrison, National Key Account Manager at the Contrarian Investment Manager, Alan Gray in Sydney. Julian and I share an interest in behavioural finance, the impacts of psychological forces on investors and on markets. Welcome, Julian. Thank you, Simon. Now, Julian and I recorded a conversation a little while back about the power of social influence. Today, we're going to discuss briefly another element of behavioural finance, this time mean reversion. Julian, would you like to kick us off by telling us what you mean by mean reversion? Well, Simon, I'd probably you could put things in a, in a complicated way or a simple way. I'll probably try to put it in the most simple way possible in that I would see mean reversion as being where a series, such as a share price or uh, the profit margin of a company, over time may move upward and may move downward, but at times will overreact versus the, the long-term reasonable mean of that series. And so you get times when the share price is meaningfully above fair value or meaningfully below. And likewise, profit margins for a company may be high or low versus what is sustainable. And so it's the, the movement of those things over, uh, over and above and then back through and below um, what might be a reasonable expectation of long-term average. Yeah, no, fantastic. And I'm glad you introduced a couple of different examples there with uh, profit margins and the share prices because uh, one of the challenges I see in talking to uh, my clients, investment managers, social super funds, financial advisors and others, is that mean reversion works quite differently with different types of measures. So share prices, for example, well in the short term we might get momentum, you might get effectively things moving further away from the mean in the short term, but over the longer term, well, then that's where you see mean reversion. Or on things like profit margins, well, fantastic, you see mean reversion on profit margins or return on investor capital, for example. Um, but you're not going to see, or EPS growth, for example, but you're not going to see mean reversion on a headline sales number. Uh, BHP is not going to mean revert back to the average of the, sure. uh, <laughs> of the resources uh, companies. It's always going to be big, uh, pending some, some disaster, of course. So a few things, I guess, um, I just want to clear up before we get further into it uh, around mean reversion. Um, I often see is one is understanding what the mean is, and I think you're going to touch on that as we go through. Um, two is recognising that some things tend to mean revert while others don't, and we'll, we'll walk through some of those things. Um, three, about the time periods over which they mean revert, so share prices being uh, a good example. And the fourth one being about what causes it. Now, in some cases, there can be causal mechanisms, and then we'll go through some examples where there are causal mechanisms. In other cases, there can be statistical effects where things are, are reverting because of some noise in a measure, uh, and that can be quite a powerful and often overlooked uh, aspect of mean reversion, which, uh, which we'll touch on as we go through as well. So what about in the context of investing? So how do you think about mean reversion in an investment context? Sure. So I'd just like to maybe take up two of the things you said there, Simon, that there can be um, both causal and more random statistical um, factors in mean reversion. And on the causal side, I think it's, it's useful to think about what those might be. And one example would be that in a company, for a company or an industry that's doing very well and the profits of that industry or company are visible to everybody, that the natural tendency is that that attracts competition into the industry, more people compete, and therefore profit margins are squeezed and therefore um, that series, the profit margins, will mean revert um, over time. And if it becomes oversaturated and competed, profit margins will become thin, zero or negative, and then there'll be um, people exiting the industry. And then you may have mean reversion the other way. So you have a causal effect. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and, and on the other side of things, you may have a, a statistical uh, random effect. Now, it may not be absolutely random or statistical, but w one way to maybe think about that would be if you know people or you do yourself run a, a private business, you probably know over a long period of time you'll have particularly good quarters or years and particularly bad ones, but over time you've got a good sense of what the, the normal normalised average is. So if you have a, a ludicrously good couple of months, you go, I accept this is not what I'm going to get every single month. And similarly, you can have a, a, a terrible uh, six-month period. You might not necessarily be folding your company and then looking for something else to do. You understand that there's, there's a, a range of outcomes and they may be um, uh, quite erratic over time, but the long-term average is the important thing. And that probably then leads on to the estimation of the mean. Yeah, although the other example that I quite like in that case, which I've run with different professional investment teams, which is to say, what happens if you, for example, have two tall parents? If I have two particularly tall parents, how tall should I expect their offspring to be relative to the offspring's peers, for example? Sure. Well, if, if the parents are both on the 90th percentile, should I expect the child to also be on the 90th percentile? Well, no, I shouldn't. I should expect this, this to be some mean reversion. And the reason for that is not because tall parents fail to feed their children, right? There's not that sort of causal uh, aspect to it. The, the aspect, if you like, the causal aspect is they've passed on the tall parent genes to the tall child, but they haven't passed on some of the sort of randomness, some of the epigenetics or other things that are going to influence that child's then height. So we're getting a bit of mean reversion because that randomness doesn't flow through the next generation. The mean reversion um, persists, I guess, in that, in that particular series. Again, a combination of the causal story, the genetics of height, plus a bit of the random uh, variation as well. And it's often that random variation, I guess, that tends to be overlooked in my view, but I guess there's an important role for both. Absolutely. And it's a good analogy to help explain it, I think, for potentially for advisors and their clients. Yeah, hopefully, because it's, uh, it's, I think it's a difficult concept for people to get their heads around. Uh, in particular, but it does apply, I think, in a, in a retail client base as well as some of the research, I guess, applies when you look at um, professional sell-side analyst forecasts, for example, um, as well. So how do you guys think about it in the context of investing? Well, I've, I've talked about profit margins. There's a, there's a great saying from Jeremy Grantham of GMO. He said um, regarding profit margins that they're the most mean reverting series in finance and if profit margins don't mean revert, something's gone badly wrong with capitalism. And it is a, a true thing that if you look at an, an industry or a company within that industry over time, uh, generally speaking, you can get a good sense of what is the range of profit margins for an industry. And if the industry's got a long history to it and the company, you can, you can get a good sense of that. And then you have to make an estimation of if you are a contrarian investor and you're buying into a company, you're, you're, there's probably a time when those margins are not their highest. It's probably at a time when they're depressed. And that typically is the case for us. And we try and then assess um, where in the, in the cycle of, of profit margins are they? And is it reasonable to think that over the, the medium to longer term into the future, that there's going to be a reversion in this um, to a more normal level? Um, and then you have to understand whether you think that the rest of the market is uh, factoring mean reversion incorrectly or not. Yeah, and one, one good example I've got to suggest that maybe the market isn't factoring in mean reversion is when I took a, um, I guess, a historical period, I think seven, ten years, I forget what it was now, of sell-side analyst forecasts, and specifically went looking for mean reversion. So let's take the things that are extremely high or the things that are extremely low, 
uh, historically, on a, I think there was EPS growth rates that was looking at this in this case, and say, well, what happens for, say, the extremely high EPS growth rate uh, companies? Well, the forecasts for the, the, the next period thereafter is for some mean reversion. So it wasn't, it's not, we're not, not going to forecast it as high for next year. But then when you look at the actual for that forecast year, when that forecast period becomes an actual, one year rolling forward, well, the actual then tends to be lower again. So there's some mean reversion in the forecast, but not enough mean reversion. The actual outcome tended to be lower. So this suggests, I guess, that these are sell-side analysts, and unfortunately I didn't have the buy side to, to compare it with in that case. It's less systematically captured, unfortunately, otherwise I definitely would have uh, uh, been keen to run the same analysis. Quite possibly no better nor worse. Well, the, the evidence around buy side, yeah, it's right. It's, it's, it's sketchy, uh, it's sketchy, so it's difficult to, to work out. But um, uh, at least on the sell side, it hadn't been uh, factored in. And these are obviously sophisticated financial forecasts. These are not sort of mums and dads investors that are randomly making uh, share price forecasts. So that tends to suggest at least that there is some overlooking of the concepts of mean reversion in a professional investment context as well. And do you think that relates on to the, 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 an underreaction or a slowness to incorporate potential change or what do you think is the, the cause of that? Well, I, I tend to look at the amount of uncertainty in the, in the decision and say one of the challenges we have is recognising uncertainty and it's often this uncertainty that leads to mean reversion. So one of the examples we talked about offline was saying, well, if I'm looking at a stock which has got high certainty, so say it's a, uh, a Woolworths, for example, where, well, sales, yes, they might be up or down compared with last year, but they're not going to go through massive cycles such as you might see in energy. Now, in energy, you're going to see massive mean reversion because you've got a huge amount of uncertainty and variability in, say, the oil price, for example, and that factors in massive swings into EPS growth rates. You don't see that with Woolworths, for example, or other consumer staple type companies. So I'd be looking to say, where is all this uncertainty? And where there's uncertainty and an extreme, that's where you're going to get the most mean reversion. And we're probably not going to factor enough mean reversion in. They're the cases where I'd be thinking, I want some more mean reversion in my forecasts. Sure. No, it's, a, it's a really great point and an example, and one that we've been familiar with over time here, in that we'll invest in companies across all different industries. But as you correctly say, for example, within resource-related companies, those are, one, those are companies that are, um, to a large degree, dependent upon the price for the commodity that they're selling. And as that um, rises and falls, the ebb and flow in that price impacts their profitability. And the response of those companies in terms of increasing or decreasing supply or bringing new supply or not, or folding businesses or adding new businesses, um, is, is mean reverting mm. as a result. And so for those companies, for us at least, we will tend to be buyers of those, um, obviously subject to the long-term prospects for the company. Um, at times when margins tend to be squeezed, when prices tend to be lower, when the industry is having a tougher time, and you see there is a future for the industry, but this is a point in time where people's estimation or um, pricing version of the mean is insufficient. Uh, versus what the long-term reasonable average is. Many of these things overlap, and mean reversion, or a, or a lack of pricing in of mean reversion, um, tends to overlap with things that have fallen from favour, for example, that may be having a hard time, that their industry is having a hard time, and you have the opportunity to buy cheaply. Because the average outcome, if you like, is almost by definition a more likely outcome than an extremely good or extremely bad situation, and people are pricing in perhaps the latter. 
Fantastic. So I'm sure we could talk about this topic all day like the last one. We'd better wrap it up so we don't take too much of our listeners' time. But if listeners would like to get in touch with you, Julie, find out more about Ellen Gray's approach to mean reversion and otherwise, what's the best approach? They can uh, contact us um, via the website, www.allengray.com.au. And uh, yeah, my contact details and many of my colleagues are on the website there. Great. And as we mentioned on the way through, some of the concepts we've talked about uh, today are included in my most recent book, Behavioral Finance, A Guide for Financial Advisors. It's available via online bookstores such as Amazon and Book Depository. Uh, it's mostly designed for financial advisors, as the title suggests, but also it contains a number of strategies relevant for investment managers, super funds and others. Or you can get in touch with my web- uh, via my website, which is behavioralfinanceaustralia.com.au. Thanks for your time today, Julian. Thank you, Simon. <laughs>